my wonderful friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I'm pastor to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in the beautiful city of Adelaide. I'm also your presenter of Drive Time every Tuesday and Wednesday. It is a real privilege uh, to be able to share with you on this absolutely a wonderful uh, day. Uh, look, folks, I'd love uh, to have you uh, join with us. Now, look, if you'd like to share a positive uh, thought, a comment, uh, if you want to uh, request our free offer today, then the number that you need, our text number is 04888-80811. Now, look, if anything at all, if you just like to say hello, we'd love to be able to hear from you, 04888 80811 and uh, we will say uh, hello to you wherever you are uh, right uh, right on on air uh, now look this week we're following the theme the bible christ and radical salvation i want to suggest to you that salvation is in fact incredibly radical uh, by its very nature and today we're looking at a subject that is actually not spoken about very much in the day and age in which we live, and that's uh, this issue of confession and repentance. Uh, this, as we dig into this subject, I believe you'll be uh, deeply uh, moved uh, by uh, by those things that we we have to share. Now, today, uh, normally on Wednesday, my co-host is Pastor David Butcher, but uh, our good friend David, he's actually got meetings over in Melbourne today so he can't uh, can't be uh, be with us uh, but instead what I I've got uh, pastor Brenton Wilkinson and uh, it's fantastic uh, to have uh, Brenton uh, with us welcome to you Brenton Thank you, Gary. Very uh, pleased to be on air again. It's it's wonderful to have you back in Adelaide again. You've been do, doing ministry for a number of years down in the southeast, down in the yep. Mouth Gambia uh, region. Uh, now you're back in Adelaide. Look, one thing I must uh, I must ask you. You know, some people have said to me, "Look, uh, Gary, what does?" A church pastor actually do. In fact, I've had some people actually, you know, have uh, have a joke with me and say, "Well, you know, it'd be good to be in a job where you've only got to work one hour a week uh, when you're actually uh, uh, preaching the sermon uh, on the uh, on the weekend." Uh, and I've assured them that that's not what do pastors get up to when they're not preaching their sermon. Well, there's many things that they do, but we can start with the person who told you this. Tell her to come and talk to me. I'll take her on a bit of a guided tour of the southeast. She'll find out what a pastor does do. Uh, a lot of times a pastor spends time in, shall we say, counselling and in visitation. In my case, I did a lot of visitation yeah. and always have done in my ministry. Yeah. Uh, not only church members, but people who are showing an interest in the Lord. Uh, they're the ones that often need the most support as quickly as possible. Do you find there are many people today that are sort of asking spiritually based questions? Yes, they are, but sometimes they come in uh, very roundabout ways. They don't come out and say, I'd like to know about God. Okay. Uh, can you tell me? They, they might just drop a comment in, yeah. in a conversation 
or maybe just a one-liner or something like that, and you go, aha, there's a spiritual interest here. How yeah. am I going to fan that spiritual interest into life? Um, yeah. yeah. And that comes about basically by, I believe, becoming friends with... One of the things I find, Brett, and I know in my ministry, is that so often those spiritual uh, questions seem to come to the surface when people are going through a time of a difficulty. You know, yes, there's a relationship yes. issue, maybe there's been death yep. issues. Yep. And yep. I find, you know, as a, as a pastor, often I'm actually dealing with a, a, a genuine physical issue, but that in itself leads into uh, mm. spiritual questions. Have you found the same thing? Yes, yes, I would say that. Another thing I would say is if, for instance, um, if a person, uh, let's take an example of, say, maybe someone who had been attending church enthusiastically and has stopped attending. Mm. If you go and visit them, the first thing you don't say to them is, uh, we haven't seen you at church for a few weeks. Mm. They know full well why you're there. Mm. Um, you need to maybe even the first time you visit them, just engage in some general chit-chat. Um if they want to, they will open up at some particular point in time mm, as to mm, what the issue is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're the type of things they teach you in counselling. Yeah. In counselling, you don't tell people what to do. You give them options. Yeah. But I think in visitation, one, I've found this out when I was working in the government. Uh, my job was to buy people's properties to build roads. Mm-hmm. Now, um, you know, oh, you're that fellow. Yes, I'm that fellow. <laughs> uh, they were they were interesting times. I could write a book about some of the people I've met, including some of the richest people in South Australia, downwards. And uh, it's very, very interesting. If you sit around a person's table and eat their food and drink their drink and mm. sit and talk to them, that's um, if you want to use the term that we frequently use these days, we have to break bread together. Yeah. yeah <laughs> well, yeah, if you want yeah. to do that, um, I would recommend that not just to ministers, but to anybody who's trying to reach out to yeah, others. Yeah. Sit down with them in their home, talk to them and listen. Most of all, be a listener. Yeah. Even if half of what they say doesn't make much sense to you, somewhere in the conversation may come up just a comment, maybe yeah, an off-the-cuff yeah, comment, yeah, and you go, yeah. right, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Then pray about it and say, Lord, help me to be able to zero in on where this person is. In other words, what up. you're saying there is that there are so <clears throat> many spiritual interests out there that we're able to uh, certainly pre- uh, use so that we can present the present yes. the gospel. Yes. Look, let me just come, though, to uh, sure. uh, our discussion for today, and this is our World Watch uh, uh, segment, and I uh, really appreciate what you've actually uh, just uh, said. Now, look, in the uh, Christian uh, Headlines um, um, uh, website that I, that I do follow, uh, there was an article this morning concerning Max Licato. And, uh, very well-known uh, Christian Very author. well-known Christian author. Written some very good stuff. And another book mm. has just come out. Uh, from him, but this particular article said something, and I'd really like to get your feedback on it, and uh, this is what it was entitled, A Heavenly Language. Max Licato says speaking in tongues is now part of his prayer time. Now, I found this to be a, the, the title alone was enough for, uh, to actually uh, pull me pull me in. Uh, pastor and best-selling author Max Licato recently shared that he had received the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues, which he now practices during his prayer time. When I was 64 on a July morning, as I was praying, I began praying in tongues 
Licardo told Ed Stitzer, the co-host, Daniel Yang, on the Stitzer Church Leaders podcast. Mm -hmm. I had not done anything different, except I came across uh, the uh, passage where the apostles said, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. I prayed that every morning uh, for uh, two or three weeks, and then one morning, early in the morning, I began praying in a heavenly language. As reported by churchleaders.com, despite growing up in church, Licardo did not learn much about the Holy Spirit until his senior year of high school when he met an evangelist uh, during the time of the Jesus movement. I was invited even to receive the gift of praying in tongues at that time, Licardo said. He noted uh, that he was willing to receive the gift at that time, but nothing happened. Uh, He added that he was not truly following God at that time and later returned to his old ways. Licardo returned to God in his 20s and entered the ministry. Uh, when he was in his early 30s, however, he became an overwhel- He was overwhelmed by the pressures of ministry. That's when the wheels came off, he said. Uh, I was that pastor who wanted to do everything just right and solve every problem, answer every question, and developed insomnia. I was totally stressed out. My wife was depressed, clinically depressed. I was a mess. I couldn't sleep at night. And that's when I began to understand John 14 and the a gift of the Holy Spirit as my friend and comforter. Although he believed he had received the Holy Spirit when he first decided to trust Christ, Licardo said he didn't know how to follow him and how to respond to him. And sometimes I think that all of Christianity is reduced down to the one invitation to receive the Holy Spirit. He added. Now, Brenton, this this particular article uh, challenged me because I'm conscious that Max Licardo is actually the uh, I would call him the hero of many uh, Christian believers. Absolutely, he's yeah. he's written dozens of uh, of books. He's mm. well known, very well. And known. in this particular article, he's mm. uh, he's confessing that yeah, okay, for the first time, he's spoken in tongues as part of his prayer time. Now, Brenton, now I suppose how do you respond? to this particular article. I mean, even what in the New Testament, what is the gift of tongues? Well, the gift of tongues um, is first mentioned significantly. It's not the very first mention. The very first mention is in Mark chapter 16, where it Mm -hmm. says that they will speak with new tongues. Okay. Um, The very first mention, though, of an event as recorded by Luke, the physician, is in the book of Acts, okay. chapter 2. Okay. All Christians know it as the day of Pentecost. Okay, and what happened then? On the day of Pentecost, these men, uh, primarily who were Galileans, in fact, the suggestion is they were nearly all Galileans, yep. yeah, yeah. they spoke in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterances. There is 15 different recorded languages mentioned in Acts chapter 2. And these are physical physical languages. These are known languages. These are not uh, heavenly language, unintelligible gibberish, if I can mm-hmm. use that term. They are known languages that the people understood because they say, how is it that these men who are Galileans speak the word of God in our language? What, what passage is that? This is Acts chapter 2. Um, and it's verse, let me see. If people want to go to their Bible, this is... want to go to their Bible. This um, is verse what? Seven and eight. Verse seven and eight. And it's, it prefaces it by saying they were utterly amazed. Well, I guess I'd be utterly amazed too. Yeah. Um, 
My take on this would be if God wanted you or I to talk to somebody, uh, we would call it a divine appointment. Mm. If God wanted me, the Holy Spirit wanted me to talk to somebody, um, let's say they were Russian. Now, I've been to Russia, and I understand about five words of Russian, mm-hmm. but that's about it. If God designed that I speak the gospel of Jesus Christ to that person, I believe he could give me the gift of speaking in Russian. That's true. So the, that's so true. That, that person and that understand. certainly would match what Scratch To Tell me something. What language do angels speak? Well, as far as the Bible um, says, and we need to go back to Genesis chapter 18. Uh, we could go earlier than that, but Genesis 18 will do. Genesis 18 is the story of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh-huh. It's the preface to what happens in chapter 19. Uh-huh. Christ himself, we believe, and two angels came to visit Abraham. Uh-huh. Now, what was the conversation? It was in the language that he spoke during the day. Okay. Uh, in okay. other words, Christ communed with him. You remember the story? If there are 50 yeah. in the city, yeah, the yeah, story, yeah, 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 45, 40, 30, And that was in the 20, language that, that Abraham actually understood. understood. Okay. When they come to chapter 19, the two angels go to Sodom. Lot meets them at the gate and says, come to my place, refresh yourselves and stay the night. Mm. And uh, we know the story of how the men of Sodom wanted to bring them out and sodomize them. Yeah, yeah. Um, interest, that's where the term comes from. Interestingly enough, uh, we find that these men said, we have been sent to destroy the city. Mm-hmm. Again, they spoke in the language that Lot his wife and his two unmarried daughters understood. That's actually quite interesting, Brenton, because what we've got here is the angels appear to be continually through Scripture. And this is, you know, I can think of multiple occasions where angels are recording to have, you know, to have spoken. But on every occasion, they're actually speaking, you know, sometimes it's in the, in the Hebrew. But the reason that they're speaking in the Hebrew is to communicate with the Hebrew. Mm. Uh, the reason they might speak in Greek is to speak yeah. to the, to the Greek speaking people. You know, they seem to speak it seems that uh, the uh, lang- the tongue is there for the purpose of communication. I believe so. God always speaks, I believe, according to Scripture in the language that people understand. Now, an even better example is the angel Gabriel mm. who came to announce Christ's birth. Who did he speak to? Yeah. The shepherds. Yeah. Did he speak in a language they didn't understand? Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. understood fully because they said, let's go into the city and yeah. see what we've been told. Um, what I'm saying is this. I'm saying that co- consistently through Scripture, right from the book of Genesis, right through to the book of Revelation, when the angel is talking to John in the book of Revelation, it is always, repeat, always in a language that is understood yeah. by the person yeah. who is hearing it. I, I think, Brenton, the, <laughs> the thing that, the lesson that I get out of this is this, is that it's so important to follow very closely what the Word of God so. actually says mm. and teaches. Um, you know, to me, I, I mean, I'm, I, I recognize that, uh, you know, some, some would suggest that this gift of tongues is in fact a gibberish, uh, and that, uh, you know, certainly, uh, some, some would bring one or two verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 14 into view. But, you know, I've actually had the privilege of sitting down and just sharing, uh, once or twice. And, you know, Brenton, the thing that jumps out at me about the Corinthian church is that it's, 
it's an it's an incredibly dysfunctional group. It, um, it was very dysfunctional. I mean, you think of the things that were actually happening yeah, yeah. at at Corinth. You've got, sure. uh, you know, throughout the book. In fact, the reason Peter uh, would you Paul, like to pastor a church like that, Gary? <laughs> well, I wouldn't actually. I wouldn't actually. What were some th- of the issues? I, I think your board meetings would be interesting. <laughs> what were some well, of the issues? One of the first issues that Paul raises when he's writing to them is that there are divisions in the church. Divisions. In other words, um, you have one group here and another, another group there, and it starts with one group saying, I came into the church through Paul. Mm. Another group says, I came in through Apollos. Another says, I came in through Peter. Yeah. Another group says, I came in through Jesus Christ. And he yeah. says, guys, stop it, stop it. So, uh, uh, <laughs> And the whole church is divided yes. along sectarian grounds. You could uh, say that. If, if you like. You know, I mean, I think of, you know, the same church, First Corinthians, speaks about Immorality. In yes. fact, it talks about immorality that isn't even known Amongst within heathens. the general community no. out there. No. Uh, you know, I, I look at this. They're and taking one another to court. Yeah, I, that's I, another one. I think there's an interesting one there for us as Christians today to think about. Should mm. we be taking those of our own faith or those of the Christian faith to court? Yeah. Paul yeah. Speaks very. He speaks strongly about. against it. But no. these are all, these are all the issues that we find in the Corinthian. You know, they've uh, even at the Lord's Supper there is conflict at the oh, Lord's yeah. Supper. Yeah, it's still doing you know, it. You know, Breton. To me, I look at this, and you know, it's when I get to First Corinthians fourteen that speaks about tongues. Mm. What Paul's actually doing is presenting tongues as a problem in the church at Corinth. He's not saying they don't speak in tongues. He's saying they're abusing or misusing. They're abusing it, and it, which says to me. That it's physically possible for the uh, gift of tongues uh, to actually be uh, used in a in an inappropriate manner, and I'd suggest to you, you know, to me, the thing I uh, as well, I tell me, can the gift of prophecy be misused? Oh Do you yes, have examples. Oh, of in course, speech? of course. Well, Paul puts prophecy ahead of tongues. Yeah. If you can misuse prophecy, you can certainly misuse tongues. Yeah. There's yeah. not a problem there. The other point that I think is relevant about chapter 14 for our listeners who may wish to research this for themselves, five times in chapter 14, verse 4, verse 5, verse 12, verse 17, verse 26, it says that whatever you do, the goal is to edify the church. Yeah. Therefore, you have to ask yourself the question, a so-called heavenly language that you alone are speaking between you and God, how is that edifying the church? Yeah, yeah. If yeah. we are to be true to biblical principles, how is that edifying the church? Yeah, That's yeah. I believe they're genuine questions yeah. that need to be asked when yeah, you're looking at yeah, the subject. Yeah. No, I uh, this, when I read that, I sort of thought, hey, I re- this is something I really want to be incredibly careful about because oh, yes. uh, to me, as I read the scriptures, what I find is that the fruit of the spirit. Is love, joy, peace, long suffering, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. How do I know that I have the Holy Spirit? I have the Holy Spirit because the fruit of the Spirit is starting to be evident in my in my life. Yes. Uh, you know Absolutely. that to me is the is the primary way that the Holy Spirit is evidenced in anyone's language, uh, in anyone's uh, in anyone's life. Uh, gifts on the other hand, are actually given for the purpose of ministry. They're given to share the gospel, They're to touch always, the lives of others. always, always outwardly focused. Yeah. Chapter 12, verse 11 says, And the Holy Spirit gives severally as he will. 
So yeah. the Holy Spirit decides who gets what gifts. Then you just have, simply have to go to chapter 13, verse 1, where it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, what is the first gift? What is the first fruit of the Holy Spirit? Love. Mm, mm, mm. Do the gifts and the fruits clash? I believe if they're genuine, they don't. They complement. Yeah, they're one totally, another. they're totally uniform. Look, let's come to uh, come to some music. Really appreciate your your feedback there, Brenton. Uh, this is uh, Fountain View Academy. The uh, the song is uh, Champion, uh, Champion of Love. Please, please enjoy uh, this music. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention? I want to introduce to you In this corner of the good and the right Stands a champion robed in white His height exceeds the heavens His weight outweighs the world His reach reaches everywhere His age is evermore He is higher than the highest Greater than the great No one will ever take his power away He is mightier than the mightiest He reigns from above Above He's the all-time undisputed Undefeated champion of his hometown to enter this arena to raise his hands in victory for me an angry crowd crucified this king who wore their crown and they gladly watched their champion going down oh but I will never count him out for I'm a witness of the day he rose to retain the title champion of power away. He is mightier than the mightiest. He reigns from above. He's the all-time undisputed, undefeated champion of love. He is higher than the highest, greater than the great. No one will ever take his power away. And 
that's a marvellous uh, rendition. This is Found View Academy, champion of love. And indeed, that's exactly uh, what Jesus Christ is. Uh, and uh, I, I would recommend that. Uh, uh, that group, by the way, if you go online, they really have got some wonderful music. That's the Fountain View Academy. You can okay. find them at uh, YouTube on uh, online. And uh, I never fail to be impressed with the music that they, uh, that they actually put out. Now, folks, look, our giveaway today is uh, Ty Gibson's book, uh, In the Light of God's Love. Uh, this is a real a ripper. This is a, a book of, I think it's about 120 or so uh, so pages. Uh, every now and then a book is written that penetrates beyond the head and speaks to the innermost heart. Now, this is a book that if you want uh, to have a, a book to read maybe in your morning devotional time, this is a book I'd thoroughly recommend. Page by page, the reader senses the distinct moving of God's spirit. Uh, Christ in all his matchless glory is exalted until self fades into insignificance. Uh, this is a book that from the very chapter you'll encounter the cross of Jesus Christ with a self-forgetful understanding. It rides a beautiful uh, wave. Uh, it is super uh, practical. It deals with personal salvation, with obedience, with temptation, with failure, with relationships. You know, I'm so conscious that people uh, so often uh, might be struggling uh, they say, look, uh, Pastor, I have, I have failed, uh, in this area time and time and time again. Uh, how, how can I possibly, uh, deal with this issue? Uh, this, this particular book, uh, is something that, uh, it, it deeply, uh, challenges, uh, everyone who's read it in the light of God's love. Ty Gibson. Now, if you would like this particular book, uh, then drive the our drive time text number again is O four triple eight eight oh eight eleven. O four triple eight eight oh eight eleven and uh the uh, uh the code is SA one zero seven. 107 and just text that number no gap between the SA and the 107 to 04888 80811 and that'll go directly to our uh, our robot uh, we call him uh, Pilgrim and uh, he will come back to you um, just get a few details off you uh, so that we can get this book to you in the fastest possible way it is a real little ripper uh, I would uh, I'd recommend it uh, to you uh, that uh, drive time text number is 04888-80811 and our code is SA1007. Uh, now you are listening to uh, Faith FM Drive Time, a big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary and today our co-host is Brenton Wilkinson and uh, Brenton has just moved uh, moved into retirement after functioning as uh, as pastor uh, in the uh, southeast uh, district of uh, of South Oz and uh, this uh, this week we're following the theme the Bible Christ and radical salvation because that's what we believe salvation really is and today we're looking at the this nature what is this thing confession and repentance now brenton the thing i'm really conscious of that um you it's something that you actually don't hear a great deal of not a lot today in the no. contemporary church yeah. um you know confession repentance it's hardly the uh, a popular subject for for many sermons. In fact, 
Um, you know, I mean, in some ways, I just wonder, you know, is this something that would be better dropped from contemporary thol- uh, theology? After all, it, you know, it does assume guilt. I mean, if I'm confessing and, you yeah, know, I'm yeah. seeking forgiveness, then it assumes that I am actually Guilty. Now, mm. you know, it's mm. not a popular, this subject we're talking about today is not a popular one in contemporary, you know. Can I suggest that if you do away with the repentance, though, Gary, you actually undermine the complete gospel? Is there any need for the gospel at all? Okay, dig into this for us. Help us out. Help us understand this. Uh, just take us from, take us from that point. Well, <laughs> this, the issue of repentance all began by, back in Genesis chapter three. Uh, which is the third chapter of the Bible where Adam and Eve sinned by doing something God told them mm-hmm. not to do, mm-hmm. which was eat the fruit. And no, it doesn't say in the Bible it was an apple. It doesn't say what it was. It just says that it was um, a piece of fruit. Uh, what was interesting about it is that when you get to about verse 11, um, God's calling to Adam and saying, Adam, where are you? And Adam's response is... Uh, I hid in the garden because I was afraid, because I was naked. And verse 11 says, and he said, that's God, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Now, Adam's response is particularly significant insofar as he said, the woman you gave me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. In other words, I I didn't have any say in the matter. She told me to eat it, so I ate it. Um, Immediately you have questions of freedom of choice. And then he says to the woman, what have you done? And she said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So basically we start out with our very first parents. This is, as we understand it as Christians, Mm. this is what the Bible teaches about where sin began on this planet. Mm. A few weeks ago we talked about where did sin begin. It began in a perfect universe, but here it is. On our planet. In a perfect world. And the first thing they do is the blame game starts. It's not my responsibility. It's not my problem. And so, therefore, when you're discussing the issue of repentance like we are today, you have to accept one thing. Unless our repentance is guided by the Holy Spirit and by our understanding of what sin has cost, and that can take time. I'm using this as okay. A just, just before we go there, look, I'm just really interested that you call that you call this thing the blame game. Because well, he blamed God. Basically, he said, "The woman you gave me. If you hadn't given me this woman, <laughs> I wouldn't have eaten." Okay, the fruit. so in other words, these guys had, if you like, uh, gone against God's will for their life in, in a particular area. What it was, and, and they knew what he meant. They knew what he what he meant. But <clears throat> what occurs is that rather than confessing their sin, what they do is they do you think they blame. Well, he blames her. She blames Satan, uh, and you know the the list just uh, just yeah, could go on. Yeah, now, yeah. do you think that's an issue today? Yes, it is. It's an issue in so far as it's an issue that we would describe today sometimes as avoidance. Um, you you know yourself from looking in the media and listening to uh, stuff. You often find people <laughs> who commit the most heinous crimes. But um, it's not their fault. There's a they, reason why they, they actually bad, they did. They had a bad upbringing. They had a bad upbringing. Uh, or whatever, whatever, whatever. And 
I don't want our listeners to misunderstand what I'm saying. But yeah. What I am saying is this. You cannot use that as an excuse for the rest of your life. You do have the power of choice. And when you come to the subject of repentance and confession, choice has to be exercised there. Okay, because in the Bible, uh, you know, we certainly get this teaching in the Bible, this thing called sin, and sin so often in people's lives when they have sinned, their conscience seems to speak to them, and there is that unsettled feeling. There's that, they struggle, you know, how should I deal? And the easy way in uh, our our contemporary um, um, psychological form is to simply say, hey, look, you know, these these matters, you know, I mean, jumping into bed with that that other woman there that's now made me and the entire, you know, this has really, you know, impacted me, it's impacted family, it's impacted everyone else. The the easy way around it is to actually uh, avoid, deflect, deflect, deflect yeah. and to... How often do you see this, particularly, it's particularly prominent amongst sporting and uh, film stars and that sort of thing where one party has been unfaithful. Yeah. Let's take, for example, an AFL footballer. I'm not thinking of anyone in particular because there's too many examples, but um, he's caught out sleeping yeah. with somebody else's wife or maybe another girl, yeah, yeah, not his yeah, own yeah, wife. Yeah, yeah. The club forces him to make a an public apology. statement. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's an abject or appears to be an abject apology. You have to, I know you can't judge people. You've got to seriously ask the question, how sincere is this? Yeah. Why is he being asked to do this? Yeah. Because the responses of the club who are threatening to pull their sponsorship unless the image and, and, and this is, is going to come to something you're going to you're going to come to something in a minute that's talking about you know is there a difference between true and false repentance? And I'm going to believe so, yeah. but we won't go there just yet. But just no. help us out if you can. Just um, uh, thanks so much for uh, what you've actually shared so far. It's really been uh, to, to me. It's been really significant. So we've got that uh, early Adam and Eve experience. Yeah. They sin, they go against God, and their response is to use the blame game, to push it off to someone else. That doesn't work very well. Um, So... No, notice how it's changed though so quickly. A couple of verses ago, she gives him the fruit and he eats it. Why does he eat it? Because he knows. He he actually acknowledges in chapter 3 that he knows that he's done wrong. Because mm. he doesn't want to be separated from her. God said that if you eat the fruit, you will surely die. Yeah. She hasn't died, so she's got the fruit here and says, hey, Adam, have some. Okay. It's good. Okay. So okay. he has some. A couple of verses later when God is almost forensically examining them and saying, have you done what I told you not to do? Mm. He says, the woman, not my wife, the one that I can't bear to be separated from, the woman you gave me, she gave me the fruit. So the blame goes to God, even even to God. Can I suggest narcissism (laughs) starts way back here? (laughs) I'm not going to get into narcissism today, but yeah. (laughs) Brenton, uh, I just just wonder, can we move on from there? Now, are there any other examples of this issue of forgiveness or repentance in the Bible? Let me give you some good ones. Yeah, please do. Please do. I'll start with the good one, David. David, uh, we all know, committed adultery with Bathsheba. I would suggest after the story of the nativity, the story of David's adultery with Bathsheba would run in the top half dozen Bible stories, I think, that most people are aware of. Now, when David is found out, and let's remember this happened 
Nathan doesn't come to him till after the child is born. Mm. We all know that children take nine months approximately to come to birth. Um, The suggestion by Bible commentators is that it was at least 12 months after he'd committed adultery with Bathsheba before Nathan comes to see him. David's been carting around this uh, sin on his back. uh, All that time. uh, Probably for up, up to 12 months. Yeah, and he thinks he's got away with it. But uh, then when you read Psalm 32 and Psalm 51, you realise that his guilty conscience has been bothering him every single day since he committed this sin with her and disposed of her husband. Have you noticed, I mean, in your ministry, have you come across people who have been, I suppose, carrying this burden yes. for a long period of time? Yeah, the, the burden of guilt is, is something that uh, often you'll find in talking to people. They feel, and this is another part that we need to come to, Gary, pretty pretty um, yeah. solidly, people will refrain from coming to Christ mm. because they believe they have to repent of their sins first and they don't feel like repenting. Um, I believe the Bible does not actually teach that. I believe you should come to Christ just as you are. Mm. Because what is grace? Grace is, is not a multi-layered. Yeah, okay. Forgiveness. This, this is actually an important distinction, it's, it's, I think, it, it, because. It doesn't have multi-layers. Grace is grace. What, what do we call grace? In other words, I can come to Christ exactly as I am. Any listener listening today who may be carrying a load of guilt, what I would say to them is come to Christ now. Mm. That's That to me I think is really important, Brenton, because, you know, one of the things that I've noticed in my experience is that sometime, sometimes confession and dealing with sin, because the two do actually go together, oh, yes, go is together. actually a process. It doesn't happen overnight. Probably in repenting, if you come to Christ, I believe, Gary, just as you are, I've found this in my own life, if you come to Christ just as you are and say, Lord, you know me, (laughs) you know me inside out, you know me better than I know my own self, Uh, please forgive me and please give me that genuine repentance that the Bible talks about. I believe that even if you come to Christ with the wrong motives, he can change those because grace can change your motives. Grace can give you a fresh, shall we say... um, A fresh vision vision. of what's actually happening. And the fact that your sin caused the death of the Son of God. Now, you may not get that straight away. That mm. may come over a period of time. Most people who, who um, shall we say, go through the process of repentance, it doesn't come to them like a Damascus Road experience. Yeah, It may come over a period of time. And the longer you study, and I would suggest this is another point to any of our listeners, study the Word of God. What and, does, you know, when you say? study the Word of God, I mean, to me, I'm really interested that you actually bring up, for I'd example, David's... Psalm 32 and Psalm 51. Yeah. They're good places to start. I, 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 I'm really interested that you actually bring up uh, David and in Psalm 51 and his sin. But the issue that I'm really interested in is that even though he repented, he still struggled with the consequences of his decision. He struggled, but he was willing to accept it. And that's the difference between false repentance and true repentance. True repentance is willing to accept the consequences. Now, in the story that Nathan told to David, David, it, it says he's, well, to use a common term, his blood was up. He said, the man who did this 
will pay back fourfold. What was Nathan's answer? You are the man. Mm. And uh, the end result was David lost four sons. Again, if our listeners want to study this for themselves, he actually lost four sons. Yeah, yeah. That's and, a, but yeah. Judas, by contrast, I have sinned in that I have betrayed innocent blood. Mm. What was he sorry about? If you read Matthew 27, it says when he saw that Christ was condemned, that's when he came and threw down the pieces of silver mm -hmm. before the high priest and said, I have sinned in that I have betrayed innocent blood. The difference between David and Judas is this. Judas was sorry for the consequences because he didn't really believe, I don't think, that Christ would allow himself to be arrested tried mm. and sentenced. Mm. Now that he sees there's no hope and that Christ is going to be crucified, he didn't want to hang around to see what the consequences were yeah. and he took his own life. Yeah. Probably yeah. within half an hour or so of that. Uh, that's that's a, what, what an horrendous uh, <laughs> Does that thing happen to, today? People can't deal with the consequences? In other words, the I, I think what you've actually brought up there is something really, really significant because uh, here we've got, in the case of Judas, we've got someone who has sinned he has. He recognizes he has sinned. Oh yes, he, and he says the right thing, and he, I think. He but his response is actually uh, to go and hang himself, uh, rather because he could not face the fact that his lord was going to be crucified exactly, exactly. because of his betrayal. Yeah. But then we yeah. need to also look at the fact that Peter betrayed him. Yeah. With cursing yeah. and swearing. Yeah. yeah. What was the difference there? Christ reinstated Peter. Peter didn't go and hang himself. Yeah, yeah. He, the Peter, other disciples left him and fled. Yeah, yeah. But no, he forgave them. <laughs> valid point. Oh, look, uh, Brent, let's come to some uh, some music. Sure. This is uh, Laura's uh, story and uh, the uh, uh, Laura's story, and she's singing Grace. This is a this is a real little little beauty. Please enjoy. So proud, my mind is so unfocused. I see the things you do through me as great things I have done, and now you gently break me. Oh, oh, oh. 
Indeed, uh, that is uh, something that uh, uh, is so, so central to our faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves is the gift of God. How powerful, powerful, powerful is that song. Oh, look, guys, uh, if you can uh, possibly oh, – look, look, we have a giveaway. Before we go there at the uh, at the present time, we have a giveaway, uh, and that's uh, this beautiful book, uh, In the Light of God's Love. Uh, this is by Ty Gibson. Now, this is uh, uh, a book that in the uh, uh, bookstores normally sells for uh, between 20 and $25. So this is a real little uh, beauty. This is not just a little book. This is a, a, quality, a quality book. This one, uh, in the light of God's love. Now, this is by Ty Gibson, and uh, it's directed uh, at those who may be uh, may be considering, may be dealing with challenges in their life: personal salvation, obedience, temptation, failure, uh, relationships. Uh, they're all covered uh, in the light of God's love. How does God deal uh, with these challenges that so many Christian people uh, actually have uh, in in their lives. Uh, it's a beautiful book, In the Light of God's Love. Now, look, if you'd like this book, uh, our drive time text number is 04888 80811. 04-888-80811. And look, we need you to put that code in really uh, accurately. Uh, and uh, it's SA107. Now, uh, we've had um, someone's actually put their, put in their code as, uh, and, and put two zeros in there. Well, we've got a, well, I'm sorry, but we've got a dumb robot. Uh, and our dumb robot, he doesn't, he can't pick up. Uh, that, that's uh, almost close enough. Uh, so, uh, uh, folks, Look, if you'd like this uh, book, um, that uh, number again is 04888 80811 uh, and the code is SA, no gap, uh, 107. And uh, our robot, uh, we call him Pilgrim, and uh, he will uh, he'll come back to you, just ask you a few questions so that we can get this book to you in the fastest way possible. It's a real little ripper. I recommend it to you. 04888 80811 and the code is SA107. Zero uh, seven, 
uh, please uh, uh, grab that book. It's really worth it. Now, you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. And today, our co-host is Brenton Wilkinson. And Brenton uh, is uh, uh, has been ministering uh, in the Mount Gambier district for many, uh, uh, many years. Last three years. Uh, last three years. Uh, and this week, we're following the theme, The Bible, Christ, and Radical Salvation. And today, we're looking at this issue of confession and repentance. You know, one of the things that I appreciate, uh, Brendan, is that in the Bible, there are so many promises yes. uh, where God uh, r- uh, reveals his attitude to us when we've made mistakes. Yes. Uh, help us out. I will. I'll, I'll start by reading Proverbs 5, verse 21 and 22, because it contains two things that I think are relevant to our study. For your ways are in full view of the Lord, mm-hmm. and he examines all your paths. The evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them. The cords of their sins hold them fast. Now, what's interesting about this is we're talking about repentance today. Yeah, Repentance, we have said already on the program, does not depend on how you feel. It yeah. does, does not depend upon your emotional response. Yeah. It depends on God's promise. He yeah. that comes to me, John 6.37, I will in no wise cast, cast out. out. Yeah. I think that's where it's at. We should not wait till we feel ready and sorry enough to come to him. The longer you leave it, the harder it will be. And I think these verses actually touch on mm. that very much so. Mm. But now we jump over to the New Testament. You have the Apostle Paul mm-hmm. who talks frequently about how I'm the least of all the apostles because I persecuted the church of God. But I am what I am by the grace of God. Mm. Now, we too can have that experience of being born again but also of rising to new heights spiritually. Mm. Paul rose to heights he would never, ever have attained had he not been transformed on the road to Damascus. What we need today, I believe, Gary, for not only ourselves but our listeners is this. We do not know the heights to which God can take us if we are fully devoted to him Mm. and we are fully willing to accept As he points out our repentance, remember we said repentance might be a process rather than a once-for-all-time experience. Um, The same with confession. Confession follows repentance, Mm. but confession is of a specific nature. Mm -hmm. And this is what I would say to our listeners today. If you have wronged others, the Bible is very clear in Matthew 18 that you need to go and talk to them about it. Yeah. If yeah. your sin is against yeah. God, it can be done, so to speak, as Jesus said, go to your closet and talk to your father who is in heaven, mm. and uh, he will hear it. You don't need to spread it around. <laughs> Social media is such these days that if someone does something wrong, before you know where you are, it's got 1.5 million likes or dislikes or comments. <laughs> yeah, and they may <laughs> what they've done may actually not be always wrong. It may, you know. may not be always It may be simply wrong. be a matter of perception. But, you know, I mean, I think the Scriptures are very beautiful because it brings people together. It says, hey, look, you know, if you've offended, then what I want you to do is I want go you to and go talk and to uh, talk to that particular mm. individual. But go in the right spirit. Go in the right. You know, Brent, one of the passages that... 6.1 says that, doesn't it? Um, it says, those who have fallen 
restore them and just think upon this while you're restoring them that you too could fall. So mm. now we need to come to the text that you were going to talk about, which is what Second Peter. 3, oh right? yeah, look, Brenton, I, I think Second Second uh, uh, Peter That's chapter really three is yeah. actually very powerful because it tells me something about God's attitude to this issue of uh, of repentance. Uh, chapter it's in the context of the Second Advent. Uh, the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, and of course here He's talking about the Second Advent. Um, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, yep. you know, Brenton, to me, this is incredibly powerful because what it means is that God Himself may well be putting off the coming of Jesus Christ Himself in order for as many in, as possible to be saved. That's beautiful, isn't it? I mean, oh, to me, as I look at that, I say, "Hey, you know, yeah. what a God we're actually serving." I mean, to me, you know, for many years, I used to. Uh, I used to pray, Lord, you know, come today, come today. Then I came to realize that, hey, if he was to come today, there are, there are many that may be, may be lost. Yes. And it's when my, Absolutely. my heart started to change for those that may be lost that all of a sudden at that point I'm saying, hey, Lord, I understand this passage. Just yes. perhaps, yeah. just perhaps if you could hold off just a little bit longer so that, you know, this yeah. person, that person, yeah. somebody else, yeah. uh, they might yeah. fully come to Jesus Christ. Yeah. We know John 3.16, but you know what? There's another text in the New Testament that I believe should be on a par with John 3.16, mm-hmm. 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made him to be sin. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, Mm. that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Mm. Jesus was not only the sin bearer on the cross, he offers to take your sin today because he has paid the penalty for it. Now, you can hear that in any church on a Saturday or a Sunday or any other day of the week, but do we really accept it? Do we really understand that Christ is the sin bearer? And that is another reason, I believe, for not procrastinating and not delaying in coming to Christ in repentance. Mm. Don't put it off. Proverbs 5 makes it very, very clear you'll get caught in the cords of your own iniquity. Yeah, Because once you choose to follow Jesus, you do have a choice in the matter. You can choose to come to him. And then, of course, there's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, by grace you are saved through faith, that Mm. not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Great, great news. And, and, and you know, the thing I like about that particular passage, one time uh, somebody actually actually said to me, they said, look, you know, uh, the beautiful thing about that passage is we are saved by grace, not by faith. And I thought about it and I thought, hey, what really are they saying? And I, I, as I thought about it, I realized that, hey, we are saved by God's grace, but the grace is received by our faith. You know, sometimes people have said, look, you know, do I have I enough agree. faith? Do I have enough faith to be saved? And the answer is no, you don't have enough faith to be saved. You do not have enough faith to be saved because you're not saved by faith. You're saved by grace. Mm. And it's at that point uh, that I can come to a savior. You know, I love, you know, first, uh, first John chapter three, beloved. 
beloved, now we're the sons of God. Our status actually changes. When we come to Jesus Christ, beloved, now we're the sons of God. It hasn't yet appeared what we shall be, but we know that when he does appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You know, Uh, exactly. When I I read that, I say, hey, what a status uh, we have actually uh, been given. Brendan, look, our time is almost up. I'm just wondering if you could do something for us. Look, I'd really love, uh, would would you pray for people who may be, you know, who may have something in their life that yes. they know they need to bring to the Lord. Uh, I just pray that, would you pray for those individuals? Certainly. Yeah. Father in heaven, we come before you confidently, not because we are good people, but we come before you confidently because you have promised that if we come, you will not cast us off. John six thirty seven. I pray for our listeners today, Lord, right around Australia. I pray that if there is something in their lives, like a lead weight that is holding them back spiritually. There is something that is causing sleepless nights, a loss of appetite, health issues, guilt. Lord, may they bring it to you right now, even as I'm praying. May they bring it to you and may they feel that burden taken by the sin bearer, the one who was made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. These are precious promises, Lord. We do not fully understand repentance. We do understand that it's a process. And sometimes really understanding repentance can be a work of a lifetime, along with sanctification, because the more we understand what sin has done to the heart of God and what it cost heaven, the more willing we will be to repent in true biblical repentance. Lord, help us not to fool ourselves into thinking that we have smart ways of getting around these things. Help us to acknowledge our guilt, acknowledge that you can save, you can cleanse, you can clean, and you can lift us up and put us on a plane that you want us to be on, that we will reflect your glory. Thank you for the study today. Lord, bless those who are listening today. May they find peace May they know that Jesus has overcome the world and that he offers them his peace today. May they find that peace and appropriate it not only for today, but for the remainder of this week. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Brenton Wilkinson on Drive Time. Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when Pastor Fabiano and Pastor Hugh uh, will be joining us to ask, Could Christ accept me? Really look forward to being with you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.